Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, March 1st, 2013. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week, proof that APIs are totally awesome, getting into trouble with mobile-first responsive design, and experimenting with the next revolutionary mobile technology. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello. Hello. We need to get some like Jeopardy music for the middle there. Yeah. Somehow. I'm going to do it live though. I don't want to edit that later. That's the trick. But so uh, you were just saying right before we started recording that you didn't eat any breakfast or have any coffee. No, I skipped breakfast this morning because I knew I was um, going out to lunch and it would be a, a fairly large lunch. So. Mm. That is horrifying. <laughs> yeah. I am... I'm horribly caffeine dependent. Yeah, I guess I, guess I could have done coffee. I just, I don't know. I'm trying to cut back, and I do find that I'm sleeping better. Oh, well, that's good. So it's been it's been worth it. Yeah, that's cool. I guess maybe. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. I had a. I know coffee is awful. It's just it just t- It's just dirty. But I want it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I did. The other day, uh, I had I can't drink coffee late in the afternoon, or I'm, it just it's it really affects me. I get just yeah, I'm, it's bad enough. But um, so I was at this weird like two o'clock point in time, and I was like in a, at a coffee place, and I was like, I'm gonna get some peppermint tea, and uh, loved it. It was just so good. So maybe I'll yeah. I, I sometimes do tea in the afternoon. Yeah, that was really good. So cool. Do we have any uh, housekeeping this week? I don't think so. I don't think we do. No, nothing. I can't think of anything. Uh, can't think of anything in terms of schedule or anything like that. And I, I also believe that we don't have any bug report this week. Do you have anything? No, no, I don't, I don't have anything. What episode number are we on? This is 46. It's 46. We're coming up on 50. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about planning like a, uh, a live hangout or something, which I think we should do. Um, I don't know how it'll go. <laughs> it may be really hard on our egos. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm not exactly one for sticking to the schedule, so we'd have to really plan it out. Yeah. But uh, I, de- I do want to do that, though. So, dear listener, encourage us on Twitter so that we actually stick to it. But uh, yeah, 46. Cranking later, right along. We're going to have, before you know it, it's going to be 52. Wow, a whole year. Yeah. We've only skipped one week. Yeah, for Christmas, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So every week we're doing it for you, dear listener. (laughs) I've been more consistent about this than basically anything else in my life. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Um, all right, so I guess we can just jump right into it. We've got some fun stuff to talk about this week. Um, I think last week was, uh, we talked a ton about tools. Oh, right, last week was yeah. SAS bashing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I won't rehash that. But this week we're going to talk about um, situations. I, I know we both have a little bit of client feedback to talk about today. So let's jump into that. I think it should be interesting for people who do have to work with clients and not just building stuff for themselves. Yeah. Do you want to, uh, I think I said at the beginning, proof positive that APIs are awesome because even the clients realize it. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on an app. I started on it back the end of December. A mobile app, and, right? 
Yes, it's a mobile app mm-hmm. for it's a and it's a Rails application, and it was, um, you know, just your just your basic your basic web app, mm-hmm. and I've been I've been going in and um, well, first of all, let me say that it needed it needed its own mobile site, the mobile mobile version and the desktop version. The the user interaction there is just. Uh, just it's structured completely differently, and it kind of needs to be. So having mm-hmm. a responsive design or something like that wasn't really a good fit. Right. Sometimes that'll happen, especially if you need distinct URL structures. You can't really, you can't really map it. Yeah. Yeah. So for this, for this, we definitely went with a, a separate mobile version of the site. Mm-hmm. But we were also kind of looking ahead at the the idea that we may, in the long term, want to do like a phone gap application as well. Mm-hmm. So rather than just adding on uh, like additional mobile view files and that sort of thing to the existing Rails application, um, what I did was then go in and add some API calls to to the app because it did not have a a public API. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I built my my mobile client on top of that. And did you talk to it on the server side or from JavaScript? On the client side, uh, on the client side, I'm using JavaScript to make the the calls to the server. Okay, so it's like an AJAX, right? Approach. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's the the mobile client is is fully AJAX. Cool. And the client has liked the end result so much that we're now considering going back to the desktop version of the site and sort of implementing that same sort of architecture. Yeah, that's crazy to like yeah. for a client to suggest a refactor is just. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't really call the desktop side of things finished. It's it's functional, mm-hmm. but there never was a lot of time or 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 money put into um, put into design on the desktop site because it was just kind of a, an MVP, get it up, get it working. Mm-hmm. And so the the mobile site was actually where we really started polishing the application, gotcha. from the design perspective. Okay, cool. So it's a combination of things. So it's it's like a, a an improved user experience for mobile. You know, the mobile experience is really um, nice, I guess, for lack of a better term. It's like really polished and cool. Plus, you get this API approach, which is a nice sort of um, separation of concerns. And so I guess he's thinking like, oh, well, we're going to sort of redo that. We want to make the desktop version nice too. So let's use the same API approach. Yeah, yeah. Use the the same API approach and the same. Uh, JavaScript client, mm-hmm. and because he's been he's been really pleased with um, with performance. Ah, cool. So that's interesting because you can you can have the two different sort of um, front end applications, but still use the same you know because it's just modular talking yeah. to the API in the back end. So you can just pick and choose the calls because the calls are probably all same stuff. It's the same. I'm assuming it's the same uh, kind of functional spec. Yeah, yeah. The, the desktop app actually has a couple of features that the mobile app doesn't at this point. We're not sure we're going to include them on mobile. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I mean, for the most part, we can pretty much reuse all of the JavaScript because I, I it's the one I did with in uh, in Knockout JS. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I can just do the new the new HTML for the desktop and then just include those Knockout bindings. Wow. And and, and have a, you know. Yeah, that was the point at which I really said, okay, this um this uh, MVVM model is really powerful. Yeah. That's cool. So now you mentioned one of the, you know, we've talked about it before that the knockout bindings are kind of in line in the tags. Mm -hmm. So do you, I'm curious, this might be kind of hard to talk about, but I'm curious if the, if you kind of have like sections of the mobile 
HTML that are like kind of like widgets that you'll combine in the desktop version? Or is it that, um, are you going to, do you have to kind of write those things from scratch for the desktop? You know what I mean? Because you said you just include the knockout bindings, but by yeah, that do you I, mean I kind of see it in yeah, I kind of see it in this particular instance as being sort of a sort of a widgetized approach mm -hmm. because um, the the data is or the um, the way everything is structured, it is pretty pretty compartmentalized. So so being able to just sort of plug in the pieces that we need. Mm -hmm. in this particular instance, I'm thinking it should work well. Mm. Cool. Interesting. Well, that's pretty exciting. It, do you feel it? So, so I, there's a lot of things on the Rails side of the fence that, um, you know, kind of handle the object re relational mapping between the database and the views. Mm -hmm. And if you're taking this different approach, do you, can you kind of characterize uh, if you think one would be, you know, is it faster to do it the standard Rails way, or do you think it's going to be faster to do it this way uh, with Knockout and just using a, an Ajax API style approach? Um, you mean faster in terms of performance or in terms of development? Development time. Um, you know, at this point, I don't really think it'll be... At, th at this point, I think it'll be faster to to do it this way just because I've already got... A lot of you know, I've already got all that JavaScript written. Mm -hmm. um, if I had just gone in and created view files for like HTML um, or ERB files or whatever for the um, for the mobile app and not worried about AJAX, mm -hmm. then that probably would have been the faster way to develop the mobile app. But we would have sacrificed a lot in terms of user experience. I think. Uh, interesting. And then when you came around to time time to do the desktop site, there wouldn't really be anything to leverage. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, I, there's obvious. There are some a couple of obvious trade offs that I'm kind of struggling with on a project by project basis, mm -hmm. which is um, uh, it's just something you have to decide on each project. But the problem, the thing about that approach, or or maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're going to tell me no. You've worked this out. But um, <laughs> the problem is that that makes the both the mobile and the desktop client dependent on JavaScript uh, unless you're using a really, unless Knockout is super slick and it, it actually, you know, would, you know, like a, a link a that fallback. yeah has fallbacks. Yeah. I, I feel like I could do a link with fallbacks, but uh, to be honest, we haven't been worrying about it too much on this. Mm -hmm. um, at least not for the mobile. Right. Yeah. Because, I um, yeah. Yeah. I see that a lot with when when something I realize it's a gray area between what's a website and what's a web app, but the closer you get to a task oriented interface, the less you can do away with JavaScript. Yeah, and this is this is an extremely task oriented interface. Yeah, it is. Actually, it's a it's project management type software. So yeah, so it needs to be. It's the kind of thing that you know users will probably be in all day long. Yeah. And the tiny improvements are, you know, makes a big difference when you're using a piece of software all day long. Yeah, yeah, we're we're not even worrying about uh, IE support for this version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, so, or nothing, nothing before IE nine, I should say. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so I've been working on a couple of sites uh, or a couple of projects, I should say. They're definitely closer into the web site category 
um, you know, like maybe there's a login form and, you know, a couple of, couple of little things, but in general, it's delivery of content, customized, yeah, personalized yeah. content. Yours is probably a lot more needs to run everywhere than mine is. Mine's, mine's sort of a, 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 a niche application and yours is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit more public and, uh, well, I don't know if yours is public or not, but the, the, uh, the stuff I'm working on is definitely like globally public and the more market that can be reached, the better. So it's, uh, you know, so an early decision is like, okay, are we going to like, where do we draw the line? between having to, you know, do we say, ah, this is going to run on a Kindle one with no JavaScript, no CSS. Do we could almost, almost never does the client care about that. Yeah. But the, the thing about it is that if you set it up so that it can run on a Kindle one, which is something that you can exist and you can test on, you're kind of future proofing yourself against some wacky new device that, you know, the, the smart toaster, if you will. Yeah. Um, you're, you're kind of like, uh, just adhering to standards in this layered approach, starting from the bottom and you know the, the most resource constrained area, and just progressively enhancing your way up the stack for the more powerful things. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's another actually that's another reason why I wanted to to go the API route with with this application that I'm working on, because right now we're not worried about that stuff, but the the underlying functionality with the API is there if you want to build like just a thing to run it from the command line. Right, so you still have that kind of. You're, you're, are you going? Is it going to be an, an API that people can, like, third-party developers can build on? Um, it's not open to third-party development yet, but there's no reason it couldn't be. Yeah, so there you go. So there's your accessibility, so to speak. Like, if yeah. people want to, uh, people want to set up their own client for their own wacky, you know, situation, then they have the control to do it. Yeah. So that's, to me, that cures a lot of ills uh, in terms of, you know, like if you're saying, oh, you know, we're not going to support any browsers that don't have JavaScript, but... Um, Here's an API, build your thing. Yeah, yes. go to town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm in the, in the process of kicking off the JavaScript portion of a really big... Um, uh, I, I hesitate to call it a blog, but it's basically a blog style project and the first thing the developers talked about was like okay um what is the plan for for failover kind of you know like what what are we going to do when we get down to the things and so we kind of I've, with projects like that and the red cross project i don't know if we've talked about the red cross project but that's that's not gonna, a lot like yeah we, i think we mentioned it a few times we probably didn't mention it by name yeah, probably not. That's going to be live soon, so I'll post a link to it when it is. But that's a really cool. It's a very unusual project. But um, coming to the same kind of conclusion, which is that the um, the approach is kind of like it's just very much uh, progressive enhancement. So if you know if the the page loads, I check for something modern like query selector all, and if it's not there, then I just don't include any JavaScript. And you get the pure HTML CSS experience. Mm -hmm. And if there is modern JavaScript, if you will, then okay, great, you get this enhanced experience. And it's a little—I suppose it's a little bit like draconian, but it's um, the JavaScript is big enough that on a on an older, like say a BlackBerry, my my whipping boy BlackBerry is a <laughs> a BlackBerry Bold ninety seven hundred, and every K that you can take out of the download drastically speeds up yeah. the performance. So we, we could make JavaScript work on it, 
but it's just gonna the page loads are gonna become so slow. The trade off's not worth it. Yeah, that the the enhancements that we would be adding are it's not it's like you said it's not worth it. Like there's one file, it's like an entire glossary. It's a huge JSON object that um, you like the current page uh, basically has glossary items highlighted, and then if mm -hmm. you in the JavaScript experience, if you tap on one. Uh, it it or click on one. It opens in a popover and it just pulls the definition out of the JSON object that's included. But the JSON object's really big, so you know there's no. It would take so long to download it and parse it on a like a an older BlackBerry that it's like yeah, just just leave it out. And they if they and if they tap on the link, they actually go to the glossary page, and they have to wait for that to load. It, you know, it jumps right to the definition that they want and they have to wait for it to load. But if we did it the JavaScript way, it would have to load up that JSON every single page, every load, time. Yeah. whether or not they were looking at the glossary. So, so that was the, that's the kind of, kind of trade-off I've been making in those sorts of projects lately, which I've got like four projects like that. It's kind of unusual. <laughs> They're very non-app like, very, very content heavy apps. I mean, yeah, sites. That's, that's a little unusual for you. Yeah. So interesting. So I, that's a pretty smooth segue into um, our next topic, which is that, uh, you know, we're always talking about the benefits of uh, mobile first thinking, or typically I, I, I modify that and call it start small, uh, mm -hmm. because it might not be that it's mobile, it might be some other, you know, who knows what, uh, you might not be thinking about mobile first, but what you do want to think about is the, the most resource constrained situation you're probably going to be in your heaviest constraints and uh, think about that create your design in that context and then it's much much easier to scale things up for roomier or more powerful or more memory or better connected devices yeah so and i think i think web designers and developers have kind of drunk the kool-aid on this a lot they're kind of like yeah because i've even got clients who are like we want they call me specifically to create a responsive site. Like they know what a responsive website is. Yeah, uh, I'm starting to see that more too. Yeah, it's a big difference from a couple of years ago. It's really, I mean, Ethan Marcotte's coining of the term has really sunk in, penetrated. So that's really cool, but uh, I'm starting to, so now everyone's like, okay, let's do responsive. Let's, let's do responsive. And you're like, all right, great. Um, and, but then what ends up happening is that you, the process is different. And you can't, you know, clients by and large, I think that while they might recognize that responsive design is a cool thing and they like completely get off on, you know, scaling the window up and down, they aren't, at least in my experience, they're not really prepared to stop doing design approvals off a of static uh, PSD. Right. It's a, it's a big, they like the idea, but they aren't ready for the mental shift there that's required to, to develop that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then there really is one because, because by saying, yeah, we want to embrace a responsive design, you're also saying, I want to give up control over, over some pixel perfection at any given width. And yeah. I don't think they realize that. I, I know they don't realize that. Uh, or at least the ramifications of that. Because then you go into a meeting and it's like, okay, we're going to design a narrow view first because that's the one that's going to force all the difficult decisions. 
So you go into a meeting and you're like, all right, cool. So that, so they're looking at it and they're looking like in their brain, they're just thinking mobile, 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 mobile. And you know, this is on a phone, this is on a phone, this is on a phone, which it probably will be, but they're not thinking, but they're, they're into this mindset of like, you know, we run a retail operation and this is the view that somebody's going to see while they're standing in line at the checkout counter. Mm-hmm. So instead of it, it gets confusing because nobody would be thinking that if we were looking at a thousand pixel wide design, right? You know, they're definitely thinking if you're looking at a thousand pixel wide design, you're thinking there's someone sitting at their desk or they're sitting at home. Maybe they've got a laptop in bed, but they are certainly not in the store. Right. So it really complicates the discussion uh, because you, because uh, it's tough to say, okay, pretend this is just a really narrow pretend that this person is sitting on the couch looking at their phone and they're not in line and we'll get those decisions out of the way first because i because my goal would be to sort of progressively add that kind of on-site experience Mm -hmm. uh, after we get the overall information architecture and the the hierarchy of what's most important on a page once we get that worked out then it's like all right you know, if we can do something cool, like, you know, I don't know, geo fence the store at a button that says I'm in the store right now at the very top and, and potentially flip the view around to, you know, show barcodes that could be scanned like coupons at the checkout or, or whatever it is that's different in that, that other context. But man, let me tell you, it's really hard to, uh, it's really hard to get there. Uh, when you're, when you're, you know, it's, it's really hard to keep them in mind of like, okay, this is the, let's consider this the sitting on your couch at home mobile experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It takes a, it takes a progressive enhancement approach, not mindset, not just in terms of design or, or development as far as technical features, but in terms of, uh, I guess, I guess marketing and strategy as well. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's rough. And even there were times, there have been times and I'm sure there'll be more when, it got blurry whether we were talking about a native app or still talking about the website. Even though obviously mm-hmm. we were still talking about the website, the 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 brain just keeps wanting to go to, you know, like ideas like oh, you know, they can just scan their rewards card with the phone's camera. And I'm like, no, this is a website. You know, it's like yeah. So it gets so anyway. It's uh, uh, I guess the moral of the story is that the um, that clients are definitely starting to to like the idea of responsive web design but it's going to be a while before um, there's a process that everyone's comfortable with that is less waterfall and more agile and iterative yeah where you're not you're not getting like sign off approvals at every stage it's more like meetings where you're like okay we just want to make sure we're still going in the right direction and you can tell us if we're not but this isn't really a sign off. There's nothing to, you know what I mean? It's not like, yeah, the, um, it, yeah, it's, I, I feel the same way. And actually on the, on the app I'm working on, I had to do, I had to do a lot of convincing at first to, to, to go that route. Mm. It was like, well, you know, let's just, let's just start small and, and then just keep iterating. And it was, and it, it ended up working out working out really well. The client's totally on board now. He loves where things are going. Hmm. But it did it did take some selling. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So now imagine I'm I'm guessing you're it's not a large corporate environment. No, it's it's one person. Yeah. So imagine a large corporate environment yeah. where you've got 
So this is this is another issue, and this is not specific to anybody I'm working with. This is a general issue. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll in the show notes I'll link to a great presentation from uh, BDConf Orlando Breaking Development Conference Orlando. Um, I wish I could remember the guy's name. It's Matt Matt Milcher Matt something, and he uh, basically uh, does enterprise um, application strategy for Deloitte which is a huge consulting firm. Mm-hmm. And he just nailed it in about, you know, halfway through his presentation, he goes, um, there's a, there's a sort of horrible catch 22, which is that the, the companies, the large companies who are really, really bullish on mobile and, and drank the Kool-Aid early on all created a dedicated mobile department with like a director of mobile or, or some, you know, something equivalent to that. And now those people are when it comes to responsive design those corporations are in a really like who owns the responsive site right because it's not specifically mobile and it's not specifically desktop right it's just a website and it looks good narrow and it looks good wide and and so what happens when the desktop team or the people who normally do the regular dot-com development if you go into a meeting and you're like, okay, we're going to design the narrow view first, then all of a sudden the people are like, oh, we need to call the director of mobile in here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, this is just the skinny view and not, it's, you know. Yeah. And it's like, who owns the, yeah, it gets, it gets really, really weird. And this, I mean, this, it was hilarious when I saw the video because this has completely happened to me. Uh, and it's, and it's something I've seen. Uh, recently, and it's something of a problem that I've seen for the past two years, just doing strategic consulting, where it's like, who owns mobile? Who owns mobile? Who owns mobile? Everybody wants to make a new department for it, um, but it's, yeah, it's it, it it doesn't have to be uh, simple thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's an easy answer, but I don't. It can't be a dedicated department. Yeah, it has to be like a core competency. Like like lots of departments have HTML or like web talent in them. Yeah. I feel like the web talent needs to just be expanded to be less desktop specific. And maybe, maybe I could see having an internal agency that just does native development for a couple of platforms. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would make sense. Yeah. Cause that's a totally different skill set. Yeah. And it's an expensive one. So I could kind of see that, but I wouldn't call it, you know, it would be like the iOS department. It wouldn't be like mobile <laughs> right, right. It's, it's the iOS team or the Android team. It's not the mobile, not the mobile team. Right, right. And all of the all of the funny sort of issues that um, the development community sort of been arguing about for two years, like is tablet mobile? Yes, it is. No, it's not. That's ridiculous. A tablet's not mobile, or of course a tablet. Like it doesn't mobile. matter. <laughs> it it doesn't. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter. And it well, it does if there's a tablet department. That's the problem. Yeah. So, you know how everybody's been, you know, it's like first it was everyone had a .com, a desktop .com site, but nobody thought of it as a desktop site. And then the iPhone rolled out and nobody could make their desktop site, you know, so bloated and ridiculous. They couldn't make it work on mobile. So they created an M dot site, which was mm-hmm. a reasonable thing to do. Yeah. At the time, it was definitely reasonable. Yeah. It was, it was a way forward yeah. anyway. And, I mean, there are, there are still cases where it's reasonable. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the problem is they created a whole department for the M dot site. Yeah. When really it, Where should, it should have just been the web guys. Exactly. And so, and then, and everyone's kind of like, and then the tablets became popular and it was like, all right, or basically the iPad and now some of the, the, the 
you know, now it's, it's obviously a segment, but when the iPad came out, everyone was like, oh, now we need to, we're just make a T dot site. And everyone's the yeah. de- developers were kind of laughing. Cause they're like, well, this is obviously not going to scale, but <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just like building this, these this can come to no good. Right. But it wasn't just building new, like at the time, it didn't really occur to me how unsustainable it was. I just thought, well, like, well, geez, the the web team's going to get annihilated if they have to, you know, build all these different sites. It's, they'll just never be, like, whoever's doing, they'll all have different CMSs. They're all completely individual stacks, top to bottom. But what I didn't, what was not immediately apparent to me initially was that not only was the technology stack different, but they're actually hiring people. Like in creating departments to go with that stack. Yeah. It's like creating new silos uh, in the organization. It's like, it's almost like one of those things where if you, I mean, I would have advised early adopters not to do that in the first place, but no one was listening to me so that, you know, they, they end up with these people with mobile in their title and it's kind of like, geez, then now who, who owns the responsive site? Right. Right. It's, you uh, get the- when you get to the site that can do desktop and mobile and everything in between and, and, and also send out the occasional text message, you know, <laughs> who owns what? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's wacky. It's uh, it's just one of those things. It's going to take time to work itself out. Yeah. But, um, but the good news is that, um, you know, some of the people, so some of these projects are like, like I'm just a, a cog in the machinery. Like I'm just the JavaScript guy and like other people right. are managing the, the client and the designs and the information architecture and all that stuff. And, right. and so I'm seeing a lot of different approaches to it. And there's kind of a, I feel like there's a, some patterns emerging, which is good. That's good. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. which do you prefer? Because I know you manage a lot of projects and I know you, you've been the JavaScript guy on a lot of projects. Mm-hmm. Which, which do you prefer personally? Uh, it depends on the client. Yeah. You know, if they're tough to manage, I prefer just being the JavaScript guy. <laughs> um, depends on the client and depends on who is managing it, I guess. Yeah. If it's not you. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, dealing with a large organization is just hard. And, uh, and especially when you're talking about something that's so new tech, like technology wise. Yeah. But I'm, I'm very optimistic. Uh, as hard as it is, I'm very optimistic because even the slowest moving, companies like financial services airlines well i shouldn't call airlines that slow moving they have the worst outdated systems but they are pretty retailish forward thinking but anyway the 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 thing that makes me optimistic is that everybody is like wow like we need to we need to do something yeah they may not be there yet and some of them may be struggling to get there but they realize there's a need to yeah to do something yeah, if we, they're looking around and they're like, if we don't do something, we're going to be wondering where all our customers went. Yeah. So that's good, at least. So at least, you know, what ends up happening is I go in and they don't want to do what it is that <laughs> I say they need to do. Or it's or it's just really, you know, for some, there's either politics or, or actual friction that really does truly uh, make it difficult to do. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah. In, just, in the meantime, you, you sit around in your in your... CEO office hoping they don't launch Amazon Airlines. <laughs> yes. Yep, exactly. That comes with um, economy class and, and um, prime class. Prime, yeah. <laughs> Can I free ship myself to California? <laughs> yeah. 
fly there in two days. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So cool. Um, <clears throat> so I guess we probably beat that dead horse. But that's this is going to be a recurring theme. So um, I, I'm looking forward to to being able to share strategies that work. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great um, again a BD Conf um, video. If you're not if you haven't checked out BDConf.com. You're making me want to go to BDConf it's now. It's great. It's really, I mean, I'm biased, but uh, I, I guess I'm not really biased. I've spoken at lots of conferences, but um, it was just really good. They purposely keep it small-ish. They do a fair number of them. They do them all over the U.S. Um, I think it's just U.S. But they just, I don't know. It's just, they're just really fun. It's, I mean, a lot of them are from the web directions are really fun. I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to pick favorites, but um, the thing that, the thing that BDConf, that keeps BDConf on my lips is that they do an awesome job exposing the content from the like they don't try and hold it in they they just like it's like right you can you can only have our content if you pay to attend yeah they are so they so totally understand that they're just going to get people talking about them <laughs> the more they share the more people right. are going to talk about them the more people are going to go right so after the event everything gets put up yeah and it's fast too it's like you know and it's right in the same page so like so like here's the list of topics pre-event and then during event the like like updates are going up right there that are, you know either have video or like tweets about it and then they have this podcast where they talk about you know particular themes that they see coming up they do a really good job yeah i like the podcast a lot yeah it's fun i don't know it's just really good so people should check it out there are lots of great conferences of course but uh, definitely check out bdconf because they're very it's very educational and they're very f- free with sharing the information but anyway uh, Stephen Hay did a talk about uh, basically responsive web design workflow, and he brought up a couple. Remember, a bunch of episodes ago, we did a little bit of a, a process thing for like going through a new project. Yeah, and he did kind of a sim. He's a, kind of a similar thing, but um, at a more experienced and higher level. So, like with with big companies like this that have all sorts of politics and other internal difficulties, and. Uh, and one of the things he said was just super brilliant. There were a bunch of great things he, he said, but one of them was brilliant, which was um, when you're doing your responsive designs, uh, you know, do them. You make your spaghetti frames, just like we always talk about. Mm-hmm. But when you go to present them to the client, open your browser window up all the way, take a screenshot, and have them mark that screenshot up, which is hilarious. Because it gives them the, it gives them this, it's purely psychological and it gives them the, the kind of workflow that they're used to. And (laughs) you know what I mean? But you're, you're creating that big layout based on, um, this, a small layout that, so that the problem with this is that they didn't get to pick the hierarchy of the small layout. You kind of have to, you kind of have to just decide. Yeah. And you can kind of, so we say all the time, and it's really hard to shoehorn a big design into a small one. But if you're building the big one and the small one at the same time, I don't think it's impossible. It's probably a little trickier, but I don't think it's impossible to take feedback on the big design and incorporate it into the small design. If you're building them both at the same time. Yeah. So I, that remains to be seen. Um, it's definitely, it, it's, so I think on the, from a development standpoint, it's less efficient but from a client management standpoint, it's goddamn genius. <laughs> it's great. 
So, but there were great, a lot of great tips uh, in, in the talk. So we can link to those in the show notes. Um, so, yeah. So the complexity of mobile first responsive design. Yes. Both from a, from a technical standpoint and from a, a management mental, mental mode. Yeah. Psychiatry. So the rain rain let up for a couple of seconds there. (laughs) That would be nice. (laughs) Yeah. We're supposed to be pouring here for a while. Yeah. I think that's definitely the rain I'm hearing. Mm. It is coming. It is coming down there. Yeah. So we have one more thing to talk about today, which is um, a lot more futuristic. Uh, yeah. but, but hopefully all these APIs and mobile first designs will make it easier <laughs> to transition into our yes. into our revolutionary mobile technology future. Yes. Uh, so longtime listener will know that um, I I think pretty strongly that there's going to that the smartphone as we know it has matured and if you watched the news coming out of uh, Mobile World Congress last week, you would, I think it kind of proved my point, which is that even Huawei, which is this gigantic Chinese uh, phone manufacturer, even they are putting out awesome looking uh, smartphones that, you know, are clearly not iPhones, but just like really awesome in their own right. Mm-hmm. It seems like everything's, every all the screen sizes are kind of normalizing between four and five inches. Um, even, even, you know, Apple finally gave in and made a, you know, a four inch screen and, uh, it, it's just matured. It's, it's, you know, there's some, there's going to be NFC and all the new Samsung phones, but, but really we're not going to see any radical innovations that's going to change the way that people use their phones throughout no, not, their day. Not in a, not in a phone. I don't think not in that form factor. Right. Not in that form factor. So there might be a new form factor that's called a smartphone, but it's not really the same thing. There yeah. It's not going to be, be like a rectangle you hold in your hand right it's not going to be it's not going to be it, it you know it, maybe it'll be flexible or stretchy or something like that and then in that case i'm like well i guess that's still a phone that might change things but i really i think that the main um the probably the the coolest feature of a smartphone is also its its biggest drawback which is the touchscreen interface uh because it's horrible for your battery uh it's not gr- it's it's got pros and cons in terms of interaction with content because you do get to manip- manipulate your content directly, which is awesome uh, in very real world, but you're also blocking the screen when you're using your fingers. So it makes it kind of difficult. It's a pain in the butt on a sunny day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the big one is you have to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, 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 thing, the thing that bugs me most about it is, um, it, I mean, it really is using it on a sunny day. And it's not the fact, it's not. It's not using the web when I'm standing outside on a sunny day. It's the fact that I have to use that same interface to make a phone call when mm-hmm. you can't see it because the sun's shining on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are lots of uh, there are lots of issues. Obviously, it's a revolutionary feature and it completely defined uh, the market. It, it it brought Apple from basically from being a computer company. They just walked into the cell phone market and destroyed BlackBerry and yeah. Nokia. Like it's. Cool feature. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the requirement of using at least one hand and having to be able to look at it for almost everything um, is it's it. What that does is it creates l- lots of time throughout your day when you're not connected to the cloud. And 
I just have an underlying belief that that people are going to desire greater and greater uh, connectivity options over time. And the only way I see to get there is to remove either the hand uh, or the eyeball um, constraint or both. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly what this new thing is going to look like, but um, it's not going to look like a phone. Uh, obviously, it could be Google Glass. Tons of news about Google Glass recently. Yeah, um, I tell you, as soon as those things are available for pre-order, I'm jumping on that. Mm. Somebody, somebody posted um, a fake. It was, re- you know, it was a real eBay posting, but it, they were basically lying and said that they had Google Glass uh, dev units for sale. And mm-hmm. um, it, again, it was fake. It wasn't really for sale. But the bidding went up to fifteen thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Which is shocking, especially when you consider Google has said that they'll be, you know, released in the end of the year or early 2014, and they'll be less than 1500 which is what the developer yeah. unit costs. Yeah. Um, so there's been some really, really amazing videos coming out about that. Um, the Verge, uh, Josh Topolsky from The Verge tested one recently, and he's like, it's not if, but when. This is going <laughs> to be a thing. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and he's been a skeptic, too. He's like, this is too hokey. But uh, I, I, I don't think it's too hokey. I want one now. I wear it all the time. Uh, I don't care if people thought I looked weird. I mean, I think, yeah. I think it's embarrassing to be staring at your hand all day. It's like, why is, it, why is it less embarrassing to have, like, something on your glasses? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I used to go outside wearing a pair of glasses with a freaking telescope mounted on the top of them, okay? No, <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> Google Glass looks much more minimal compared to that. Yeah. That I, I I needed to be able to see to, um, you know, like take notes in class. <laughs> right. Wow, that's wacky. I we should post. Yeah, it. I should I should send you a picture. I was going to say I want to see a picture of that. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure they they make uh, I'm sure they make much smaller models now than what I had. But yeah, I'll send you a picture. Mm, cool. So the thing with Google Glass, though, as much as I want one and as revolutionary as as it is, it's still a screen. It's not a touch screen. There's a touch area on the sort of the handlebar of the glasses but um but it it's still a screen so it still requires your eye i haven't seen anything i haven't seen a lot of um spoken word like you can talk to it you say okay glass take a picture okay glass take a video um or whatever but i haven't seen anything where it's talking back to you like you you talk to it and then you look at the screen and to me, that is at least your hands free. That's definitely a big, big difference. And the other big difference is that you get a bird's eye view of the the wearer's uh, line of sight. That's pretty cool. Um, but I still I wonder about the screen limitation and how it'll be in bright light, or you know, if it'll be, you know, yeah, it's right in front of your eye. It's just up to the right a little bit. But how distracting will that be? And would it be better if it was just an audio feed in your ear and you just got rid of the screen? So, yeah, yeah, I um. I wonder how it's going to work with my extreme lack of peripheral vision. Yeah, that's a good question. Or or me being farsighted. Like, am I going to be able to see it? Yeah, are you going to be able to focus on it? Yeah, probably not. So, you know, and it's not adjustable. I don't know if there's a way that it, you can change the depth of field on it or something, but I'd be surprised. Yeah, I don't know. It does look like a little bit of a, it looks kind of like a little prism, but yeah. I, I really don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm very nearsighted, so... I might not have that problem, but I I have virtually no peripheral vision. Hmm. So basketball's out. 
Yeah, yeah. I have a visual field radius of something like 18 degrees or something. It's ridiculous. Hmm. Yeah. That's not much. No. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of head turning. Yes. That's why I have neck problems. <laughs> so anyway, so my, my uh, what I, I was thinking about it and I was like, I really wish I could test, first of all, to see if I'd be able to see something that close to my eye, like how it would work. And also how much of a restriction that I thought the um, having that little view, how good or bad it would be. So I was thinking about it and Cooper has this, uh, he's got all these little toy books and stuff. And there was a periscope, mm -hmm. uh, like a like, do-it-yourself periscope in one of them. Mm -hmm. You like take a quart thing of milk and two, you know, you've probably seen them in school. Yeah. Like, take, yeah. Slice it, put in two mirrors. And I'm like, that's it. All I have to do is tape like an iPod touch or my iPhone to my hat on the side, like over my ear mm -hmm. and then set up two mirrors. Like, uh, like, you know, you see, uh, like cyclists, they have that sort of rear view mirror that sticks off their helmet. Yeah. It's like a dental mirror almost. Yeah. And then put another one at the screen and you get this kind of periscope view of the phone on the side of your head. <laughs> nice. So you could interact with it with your finger. You'd be able to see it. Which yeah. still, it's not hands-free, I realize, but at least I'd be able to, like, put it on, you know, I could I could stick, like, um, my Android phone on my hat and be like, uh, just put it on Google Now and isn't it, watch isn't it. it a, isn't it a shame the iPod Nano doesn't have internet? Yes, you read my mind. That little, that little, like, saltine cracker-sized Nano, if it had internet access. Yeah. I, you totally read my mind. I, I like. I was. I could clip this right in my hat. It'd be so easy. That we, so we. So we went down to like Michaels. Erica thinks I'm crazy. So we go down to Michaels, and I bought a bag of like inch square mirrors and like assorted sizes, but most of them are inch square, and then a <laughs> bunch of modeling wire. And so nice. I've got like. It's, I haven't. Uh, I haven't got it completed yet, but I do have the the rear view mirror, and uh, and I'm telling you, it's really difficult to set it up in a way that matches my my uh like far-sighted field of vision it's mm -hmm. it's it's i don't know i doubt that i'll be able yeah. to use google glass so that's for sure mm -hmm. so i'm looking forward well, we'll to we'll have to sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but no. we'll have to have to one of us buy it first and that way if one of us can't use it the other the one, other can, one can. Like, yeah. can buy it from you like, yeah like you get it and if you can't use it i'll buy it from you that's a, that sounds like a good deal we'll have to pick a color that we both like yeah yeah i i, I just sent you a link to those glasses Oh, cool. All right. So to be posted in the show notes? Yeah. All right. So, um, oh, this is not you wearing them? No, no, this is, but that's the, that's the pair I had. Oh, those aren't bad. I thought it was gonna be a lot worse than that. Yeah, I mean, I it's can, not I great, could, but. It's not great. I could, <laughs> I could do with something, if it weren't for those che uh, cheesy looking plastic frames, you know. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Interesting. I don't understand how that works. Like, what is it? Well, I don't want to talk uh, about it mirrors, too much. Mirrors, I guess. <laughs> Does it? Yeah, I think so. Huh. It's kind of kind of hard to describe without seeing it, but it's like a, it almost looks like an old school Kodak flip camera that's attached to the top of a pair of cheesy frames. Uh, interesting. But well, we can all read about that in the show notes. So anyway, I, I'm looking forward to. Um, getting the, the mirrors taped to my head and, and going, taking it for a test drive and seeing what it's like to just have like a, just have like a, uh, like it'll pro I'll probably have to use an Android phone and just have like a widget screen up that shows like the current weather, the current temperature, traffic conditions, mm -hmm. like a, 
I might even build an app to to kind of give me a dashboard view of the world around me. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw a I saw a neat app the other day, Android app, mm-hmm. um, and it basically is that it's a a, a dashboard type thing that does uh, weather, some GPS stuff like that. But it it displays everything mirrored, and then like you just set it on your dash, and so everything reflects onto the inside of your car window oh cool yeah if you can find out the name of that if you can dig that one up that might be perfect yeah yeah i'll look for it Mm, cool so yeah i'm definitely i'm definitely looking forward to 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 having that kind of experience of like metadata overlaid on the world uh, to see if that's if i think it's compelling or not but the other thing that's related to this is that I, i finally did get an iphone 5 and uh, it's the first I've had Siri on other devices, but not a phone. And mm-hmm. uh, and and by coincidence, I've also been commuting uh, a couple times a week, which I no- never normally do. And Siri is like, I can't believe people don't rave about it more than they do, because it is like awesome for commuting. Yeah, I just recently started using like the like the voice recognition instead of typing things on the phone. Mm-hmm. And Apple's voice recognition is really good. It is pretty good, yeah. And so, I mean, it's a lot easier to talk to your phone than it is to type on it. Yeah, for tons of things. So, and it's weird. And, and this is the thing that I want to experiment with, you, you know, with the, the mirrors on my hat and also with Siri, is is how it how it changes your behavior. Or not changes your behavior, but, but like, yeah, how it changes your behavior, how it changes your usage patterns, and like when you do and don't want to use it. So, like, when I'm in the car by myself, I'll use like Siri for an hour long drive nonstop. Yeah. And, but when I'm home, if there's anyone around, I don't use it. <laughs> I'm going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> it's, I don't know what it is. It's almost like I don't, this is going to sound weird. Cause it's not like I'm doing anything private on my phone, but yeah, but it... I don't really want anyone knowing what I'm doing on my phone. It, it almost feels like it'll start a conversation. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, uh, like Siri. I don't. I can't even think of an example. It'd just be something stupid. Like uh, I can't even think of anything. Siri, search for Google Glass. Search the web for Google Glass. And and if there's people standing there, it's like it's gonna. It kind of. I feel like it's gonna draw them into the conversation, into a conversation, or I don't know. It just feels intrusive for them. Of course, I don't like even talking on the phone to other people. But yeah. Um, I don't know. It's something. It, uh, I don't like it. I don't like talking to it. There, there needs to be. I think. Uh, I don't know how I've, I've been talking about this for an hour already because I could talk about it for two days. But, <laughs> but there needs to be another way to interact. The, this next a, a new revolutionary device will allow us to interact with it. it like I always call it, computing in plain sight, like privately. Yeah. So you'd be able to, to interact with it with no one noticing. Yeah, like some kind of some kind of subvocal cues or something. Exactly. Know. Or you know, like whether it's clicking your teeth together or clicking your fingers together. There there are there are already uh, productized versions of these kinds of technologies and I feel like they need to they need to make their way into the Yeah. Just doing a little electrode that reads my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Just to prove that I'm not crazy, I don't think that's gonna happen for a long time. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know but the, other stuff, the audio stuff is is dialed like it works you know like audio input yeah non-vocal audio input works 
Yeah, it's I just was, not in a consumer device. I was surprised at how well Siri could pick up what I was saying, even in a, a situation where there's a reasonable amount of background noise. Yeah. No, it's really good. I mean, the the it's and it's different than um, it's different than basically voice typing on Android because you're you're actually sending commands. It's not the same thing as just typing. Yeah. And it really, I mean, you can, I don't know if I should admit this, but I mean, you can really use it while you're driving and it's, it does stuff like, like uh, Siri launch audible, which is my, you know, my, my, yeah. uh, uh, whatchamacallit, audiobook application or, or, you know, Siri remind me to, uh, you know, give George's shot when I get home. It, it totally works. Yeah. And I don't know, it's. I'm surprised more people don't don't talk about it. And the, again, I've had it on my iPad since I bought my iPad and never use it. Yeah. On the iPad. It's all about when your hands are busy and your eyes are busy. Right, right. So, very exciting. And to take it all back to the beginning, if you have APIs <laughs> and you have smart content, which we didn't talk about today, but if you have clean content, that does not uh, that is not polluted with layout information, then you're going to be in good shape when this next revolutionary device does come up on the scene, and whatever form it may take, you will be ready to respond. Yep. You can. It doesn't matter if you don't have any existing clients that work on whatever new thing is out there, because if you have an API, then you can just make one. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, there's just like the Internet of Things. Everybody's been saying for years that it's the next big thing. But, I mean, the, the devices are starting to come out. Yeah. So I, I probably shouldn't even start that conversation. There have been some new announcements in that in that realm. And it's also very exciting. Yes. But I've, I've rambled long enough. <laughs> Give it five years and, and the landscape will be completely different. Yeah. As the saying, as the quote goes, we are the last generation to grow up in a stupid society. <laughs> Everything's going to be smart. So we should probably wrap. I think we, yeah, it's getting, getting late. Yeah. I'm, Almost five. We're getting ready for, uh, we, we definitely dragged our feet with the, uh, the uh, potty training. I was just thinking I have to get, uh, on, I, I have to get on diaper duty now. And it's going to be, fingers crossed, the last week of diaper duty. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, we took our time with that too. Yeah. So I don't know if in the, in the end it worked out, so to speak. You know, yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean it like that. <laughs> should we cl- should we close with a joke? I think we just did. How does how does a mathmat what does a mathematician do when he's constipated? I don't know what. Work it out with a pencil. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. And on that note. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for more bad jokes on the Niche Podcast. Bye. See ya.